Welcome to the Unveiling Grace podcast, a place to experience a grace that heals. Allow this grace to take your life and your relationships to another level as it frees you from the weight of performance-based religion. Enjoy another episode as Joel Groh and Lynn Wilder share encouraging stories and candid dialogue that can help you experience a grace that heals. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of the Unveiling Grace podcast. I'm Joel Grote. And I'm Lynn Wilder, and we have Teresa with us today. Do you know, the LDS culture is kind of a small world, you know, a rumor gets started, it spreads like fire. Oh, absolutely. But the former Mormon Christian world is kind of like that too. A lot of us know each other and have all these cool connections. So I recently found out about Teresa and um, she actually, I think, left Mormonism in Brigham City or at least part of her story is in Brigham City, Utah, where Pastor Jim Catlin is, who did the Unveiling Grace DVD. Yeah, which is our story. Jim's a good friend. Wow. Okay. So tell us about yourself, Teresa, raised in the Mormon Church. Yes, um, I'm the youngest of nine children, and I was uh, raised in Western Washington. Um, My family goes um, way back into the Mormon Church. We're related to Emma Hale. And, oh, um, wow. Okay. Emma Hale Smith. Yeah, Emma Hale Smith, also related to uh, two of the foster kids that they fostered. And um, um, one of my great-great-grandfathers uh, was the missionary that brought the Book of Mormon to Brigham Young. Oh, wow. And, um, <laughs> so before Brigham yes. Young. <laughs> yeah. And um, one of my great-greats was in the fifth wagon that came into the valley with Brigham Young. So, huge history. This is the place. Mm -hmm. That was it. (laughs) And is this both sides of your family then? No, it's on my dad's side. Okay. Mm -hmm. The the Gifford side. All right. Uh, My mom was a convert to the church. Okay. Western Washington, Brigham Young sent somebody there at one time. Yeah, uh, we um, came through uh, the brothers that were sent. Uh, one was sent to settle uh, the Shelley, Idaho area. And um, that was my dad's grandfather, I believe. And the other brother went down to settle southern Utah. So Washington wow. County, down in that area. So Mormon culture history background runs really deep. And here you are. On the other side. So tell us a bit of what it was like for you growing up LDS, especially with all this. The fact that you know this much history is obviously it was, it was important to your family. So right. talked about. So what was it like growing up with incredible LDS roots? Um, it, it was it was really traumatic, actually. Okay. Um, I was raised in a very dysfunctional home, and um, um, didn't realize as is often the case, that I was in this cycle of abuse. Yes. Um, You know, polygamy runs so deep, and we had polygamists in our family also, and it's not just a matter of 
one man having, you know, several wives. It is so much more than that, and it affects generations. And um, I was one of those generations. So You're a lot of abuse. Talking about sexual addiction, sexual abuse, emotional young abuse, kids everything. abused. Yeah. Boys and girls, both ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. <sighs> yeah. So heartbreaking. So you've read the book Paper Doll Dolls? Have you ever read the book? I Paper have not, Dolls? but I've heard of. I've heard of it. Oh, yeah. horrific uh, description of sexual abuse with children in a Mormon neighborhood with someone who was related to a prophet. Quite mm -hmm. um, horrific. You know, in ministry, as I, as we've helped folks out of the church and helped them find healing in Jesus, run into a lot of sexual abuse. Well, it's very high. It's very high in the Mormon church. It's very high in Utah. Utah is always um, one of the highest states in the nation for uh, depression for women. Um, yes. Uh, sexual abuse, suicide. Suicide is super high. Um and uh, it's, it's something that a lot of people don't know about the Mormon families. Um, Doris Hansen and I did a show once on the book Paper Dolls and Sexual Abuse in Mormonism. And so Doris and I went looking for statistics. And one of the surprising statistics I found is that nationwide in prison, about 12% of the trip prison population tends to be pedophiles. Mm -hmm. In Utah, it was one-third. Oh, yes. Wow. I, I, I'm a nurse, and I worked in Utah as a nurse, and I worked in inpatient psych units in Utah as a nurse. And it was horrific, the things that I saw and, and heard. And then having grown up in that was... So did that tend to bring stuff back, put it into context? So at what point, because for most children, even dysfunctional becomes their normal. Mm -hmm. So at what point for you do you go, well, my normal was really not a good normal? Well, so I, I left the church the first time Okay. when I was 22. All right. Um, after I'd married a um, uh, return missionary and discovered that he was not... A good man. Mm -hmm. So I divorced him, left the church. I divorced him at the recommendation of my Mormon bishop. Okay. Incidentally. Hmm. Um, and uh, and then about a year later, after I left the church, married my ex-husband, my second husband. Okay. We were married for 24 years. Was he LDS? No. Okay. Mm -mm. So we raised our family outside of the LDS church, largely in Christian churches. But what I didn't realize is that he was, I was still in the cycle. I didn't even know what the cycle of abuse was. Mm. So I married my father when I married him. Oh, no. And I discovered after 22 years of marriage that he was abusing the children oh. when I wasn't there. Oh, Teresa. And, um, Sorry. He is an attorney, so it took me two years to get away from him. And um, that's been 
gosh, that's been about eight years ago now. Okay. And wow. a lot of therapy between then and now. I went to a, a shelter with the kids, and that's when I first learned about the cycle of abuse. Mm. However, I still wasn't out of the cycle of abuse, so I went back to the Mormon church because my brother was telling me all this time, all these years, no, 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 what our dad taught us was not what the Mormons believe. Okay. That was like just his version of the Mormon church. <laughs> okay. So I was desperate. You know, mm -hmm. I was in a very bad position. And um, well, how old are your children at this point? Uh, at this point, the oldest was 13. Okay. Mm. So you're raising a barely teenager and, and then 13 and younger then. Yeah, and we had four. And I was a stay-at-home mom. And at this point, a single mom. I, I want to go point a single mom. back wow. to the abuse issue. Let's just focus on that this time because this is huge. It's huge. So talk to the audience about the cycle of abuse, what that is and what you learned about it when you went to the shelter. Well, the cycle of abuse is the cycle that the abuser puts you through in his um, pathway of abuse. So the abuse happens and then he or she, um, you know, promises it won't happen again and does some nice things for you so that you, in your desperation, believe them. Have hope. You have hope. Mm -hmm. will change. And then it just goes downhill from then and then work gets worse and worse until whatever the you know, catalyst is, happens, and then the cycle restarts itself. So that's the cycle of abuse. And um, it's very, very difficult, as you know, for a person to get out of the cycle of abuse. And when you're in that cycle, it's almost 100% of you will remarry or re-up into that cycle with your friends and with your the people that you, um, you know, the, that you marry or that you date or whatever. You're talking about both the abuser and the abusee. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you attract like attracts like. So um, that's how come I, I married him. He was um, extremely abusive, very much like my dad. Very. Um, there's a lot of coercion in it. There's a lot of, um, you know, putting the other person down. Um, and, and that's exactly what I was raised in because, you know, I was a girl. Women have, like, no rights in the Mormon church. And I didn't even know who I was. I certainly didn't think I was smart. I certainly didn't think I could ever go to college, ever. Um, it, it, I, didn't, I didn't even have a person. Wow. I, I wasn't allowed to have a person. And that's what I was raised in, and that's what I married. And do you think that part of the reason why the cycle perpetuates is because it's not recognized as a cycle? So that every time you come to that remorse and the promises, it's almost like starting over, okay, we're good. Is well, that part of what, what perpetuates it? Yeah, kind of. Like when you're in an abusive situation, like a cycle of abuse like that, it, it happens so much that it becomes what they call normalized. 
And so you don't realize that you're being abused because that's all you've ever known. Okay. That's all I ever knew. So this is very young, from a very young age? Oh, it was my whole life from birth on. Our, my whole family, oh, oh my goodness. It, it, it's, gone, it's gone from my sibling, you know, my, my father, down through the great-grandchildren. I mean, it's, it's very sad. So because this is so prominent, because we have a lot of listeners within both the LDS and the transitioning LDS community, this airs on a radio station that airs all through the whole Salt Lake Valley, I would like you to be as specific as you comfortably are to kind of give a scenario just because part of what our focus is on the podcast is we want people to experience a grace that heals, but healing can't come until you know you're being hurt. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not, and I don't want you to, and you don't have to necessarily do your own scenario, but just a fairly specific scenario of what it looks like, the things that are said, even the types of abuse, what happens in that cycle. And my hope is that somebody who's listening goes, oh, my heart. I had no idea, but that sounds like me. Mm-hmm. Would you be willing to do that sure. for us? Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. Lynn, do you think that would be a helpful thing? I mean, Very much so. And then we need to get on to the, okay, then how does healing come out exactly, of something right. this ugly? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So, you know, like for instance, I was raised with the viewpoint of what women were. Okay. Women were, that women have one purpose, and that is to have babies. Okay. Um, that's why you go to college is so that you can find a husband and get married if you go to college, you know, um, women were not smart. Um, you know, they don't hold the priesthood in Mormon theology. Um, although now they can witness the baptism. (laughs) Well, that's a whole nother story. But yeah, but you know, they, they, they don't. And, and there, and there's, there's lots of little ways that, um, women are described as basically as being less than yes less than acceptable and my goodness and these poor mormon women i feel so bad for them because like your kids have to be like always shiny and looking nice and perfect and your house better be clean and those meals better be perfect just what your husband wants and i mean i weeded flowers after work yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, oh my goodness. And it's no wonder there's so much depression. You can never, ever, ever measure up. You can't. Right. It's impossible. And you can't ever rest. Not really. No, never. Okay. So you're in that. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming there has to be something good and attractive to draw the people together so what is the attraction? What starts off the relationship that leads into the cycle? For a woman who's gone into this with this, she's already thinking of herself as less. You're not leading into the cycle. You're, mm-hmm. you're going from one cycle to another. Mm-hmm. You're going from one abuser to another. The cycles are still there. Got it. Okay. And yours started from the beginning. Mine was the beginning, so it was normalized. I didn't know anything different. So, um, I, I didn't know anything but, you know, the the man figure in my life, my father, who was perverted in so many ways, and I didn't know that that wasn't normal. Um, you don't know. Yeah. All you know is what you're raised with. That's, that's your whole world when you're, especially in those formative years, that's mm-hmm. all you know. 
Okay. So, so you go from one cycle at home to another cycle, often trying to escape your abuser, right. thinking this other one is so nice because, you know, they bring you flowers and they pay you all this attention and they tell you all these nice things and, and then, you know, the dinner uh, wasn't just right and so, you know, they slam their hands on the fist, their fist on the, on the table or something because they're, they're upset that the dinner wasn't just right. And so then that's, that's abusive right there because that's scary. Yes. It's, it's over dinner not being right. I mean, it's, it's way more than what would typically, you know, be done in a situation Mm -hmm. like that. Right. Mm -hmm. Dominance. A lot of dominance. Yes. Control. A lot of control, a lot of, um, I mean, it's, it's, it's abusive in every way, psychologically, emotionally, sexually, I mean, just. And so in the person, what does that, so what does that fist on the table, that expression of displeasure, anger, maybe even up to rage, what does that then trigger in the victim, in the person who's experiencing that? It triggers fear. It triggers, um. Um, feeling like you're not good enough. Shame. Shame. Yeah, a lot of shame. Um, promises to do better. Okay. You know, whatever whatever it takes just to make them not get angry at you again. Um, yeah, it's not fun. Okay. So, that happens. There's maybe an uptick in performance. The wife tries extra hard. Dinner's great. Um, response of the abuser to that? Um, usually there will be a short kind of a honeymoon period. Okay. Where, you know, um, the abuser, you know, brings flowers or has that, um, persona anyway in the way that he or she is approaching the, the person that they're abusing, um, making promises that it, you know will happen again and oh i was so wrong and you know look at this beautiful dinner or this beautiful whatever um that you've done but then it it goes very very quickly to something else like you know oh this is such a nice dinner my mom didn't make it like this but it's still really good it, you know uh, that kind of underhanded yeah. yeah and then it goes down this really slippery slope really fast because again, it's about undermining who the person is. It's it's always about taking the victim down. Yeah, it's all about control and power. You know, everything in the Mormon Church is money and power. Everything. And um, whenever they do something, I always say, "Hmm, where where's the trying to trace it back? What are they getting from this?" There's always a reason. So um, you know, the priesthood and the Mormon male priesthood is very, very, very dominating, domineering, and um, um, the women don't even realize it. And it, it's part of church, it's part of home, it's part of your life. So at one point you left him, you took the children, you went into a shelter, mm-hmm. you learned the cycle of abuse. Is that when healing began? Maybe awareness began. Awareness. Mm-hmm. I would say awareness began then. Um... 
So then I, um, you know, did, uh, there was a lot of uh, spiritual, you know, praying and, you know, what do I do and things. And, and that's about the time when my brother uh, coincidentally called <coughs> and um, found out what was going on and, you know, said, no, 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 that, that, you know, that stuff that dad said, that was just our dad. The church doesn't teach that. Why don't you, you know, just go check out your local ward? So I did, you know, I, I was desperate for something to be uh, normalized, I guess, in my life, you know. Well, and even have some sense of community, I mean, as a single mom. Safety. Right. You know. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I was a single mom. I had put my ex-husband through law school, but I didn't have a degree because I wasn't allowed to go to college. So, okay. More of that control stuff. And let, so let me comment about that. My neighborhood in Alpine, our ward was probably four blocks, you know, everybody except for two families were in the Mormon church or part families in the Mormon church. Typical, the husband had been to college, right? He married someone maybe four years younger, right out of high school. So they would... Back then, they'd leave on their mission at 19. They'd come home at 21. Their mission president would call them in and say, go home and get married in the temple immediately. So they typically find someone right out of high school or maybe first year at BYU or something and marry them. And then that woman would stop her studies in order to work to put him through school and pretty soon the children are coming along so here we are 20 years later in my affluent kind of neighborhood with men with undergraduate and often graduate degrees and women with only high school educations right and also an age difference between the two which to me, right, really kind of added to that whole dominance thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Definitely. Definitely a pattern, right? Definitely a pattern. Yes, absolutely. Wow. All right. So talk to us about your, your journey into healing. So I went back to the church, um, rejoined the church. When I left before, I had... Um, the first time I left the church, they've changed things. Now it's different. But it mm -hmm. used to be that there was only one way to leave the church, and that was to be excommunicated. Right. So I was excommunicated, but not for, like, something sin. I... Sin. Not mm -hmm. for sin, you know. Right. It mm -hmm. was because of apostasy that I was... Apostasy meaning, I don't believe what you tell me. Right. You're Mormon prophets, I don't believe you anymore. You know, it's like Sandra Tanner that stood up years ago. I remember that. Oh, I remember that. And raised her hand against the prophet on worldwide television. Oh, my goodness. That's the kind of stuff I did, okay? And that's what got me excommunicated the first right. time. So I had to get rebaptized. So I got rebaptized, went back in the church. Um, my brother, um, bless his heart, oh, my goodness. He was so sweet and so kind. He took, he took me in. I was able to get the kids away from their father because the state we lived in um, had joint custody. Oh, wow. So um, they had to live with him uh, for a time because um, abusers are also 
master manipulators. Mm -hmm. He is one of them. Mm -hmm. And he, and plus he's an attorney, so he knew how to use the law to his favor, and he did. And so the kids ended up having to live with him for a while. Anyway, so my brother took me in, and we were able to get the kids out of that state, and we lived with him for a while. However... In Utah? uh, No, in Texas. In Texas. Mm -hmm. So um, we lived there, and my brother worked for the Boy Scouts for years, and they transferred him to a high adventure base camp at the at the base of uh, Mount Denali in Alaska. Mm. Wow. Okay. Yeah, the lucky dog. <laughs> <laughs> That's some gorgeous country. <laughs> so it was just I, I there's just no way I could have moved up there with them. There wasn't anywhere for me to stay because they were going from this house where their kids had grown up and gone to a little cabin, right? You know, right. and I couldn't mm-hmm. afford it as a single mom. Um, and so anyway, um, that's when I moved to Utah. And that is where we're going to have to put your story on pause for this episode because <laughs> oh. we're at time. And so all we're going to say is thank you, Teresa. Fascinating story. Will you stay tuned, stay tuned right? Two. And continue the story with part two. We will yes. do that. And thank you, listener. Tune in to the next episode. If you're listening on the radio, it'll be next week. Um, otherwise, serious um, story about healing and 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 sexual abuse. So, uh, please tune in if that's something that you have a heart for or you're interested. Absolutely, in. and know that as always, our focus with the podcast is to help you, um, your life, your relationships flourish and flourish in Jesus, and to experience a grace that heals. And that'll be our focus next time also. Grace and peace. So long. Thank you for listening to the Unveiling Grace podcast. Join us next time for another conversation devoted to helping your life and relationships flourish. As always, you can find show notes, program transcripts, and leave us your comments and questions at unveilinggracepodcast.com. For a limited time, we are offering the Wilders book, Seven Reasons We Left Mormonism, for a donation of any amount. Go to unveilinggracepodcast.com and click on the free book button to request yours. We greatly appreciate your support for the Unveiling Grace podcast, where you can experience a grace that heals.